The following is an interview with comedian Jonathan Katz, produced for AmbitMag.com. I'm Sean Ongley. Jonathan will be performing as Dr. Katz as part of the Bridgetown Comedy Festival, commemorating 20 years of the famous television program on Comedy Central. The following is an edited version of our phone interview. To read the full article and transcript of this interview, please visit AmbitMag.com. Got one very curious question. Did you give H. John Benjamin permission to use squiggle vision? That's kind of a, a joke question. But it, it means something. I am not quite sure what you mean. I mean, I know, I know it's, a, it's a joke question, but I don't, I don't get the question part. <laughs> or the joke part. Uh, uh, well, okay, so the show um, that you started really started a trend and it became synonymous with, uh, with the show. That whole that technology became synonymous with the show and actually John Benjamin, who I didn't understand to do, I didn't know about him until I was just a teenager when uh, Dr. Katz was out. Um, right. He went on to do many cartoons and many of them including that technology. So the joke... <laughs> He, he didn't create the technology, nor did I. That was I know, I know. Um, but you became synonymous with it, and which is kind of interesting, you know. Yeah. Well, the, you know, he now has two shows on the air, Bob's Burgers and Archer. And yeah. all the all the Bob's Burgers guys are Dr. Kat alum. I mean, the guy who produces the show worked... And Dr. Katz for years, Lauren Bouchard. Mm-hmm. And he's worked with John Benjamin forever. And one of the guys from Portland, Brendan Small, who I haven't seen in years, um, he was the star of Home Movies, which was another show that involved Tom Snyder and Soup to Nuts, I think, was the original production company. Yeah. Well, this must be exciting for your listeners. I, I fortunately, I have none. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, um, do you do you think that? Um, I well, okay. I'm curious about the show a lot, and and how it's going to play out on the stage. I haven't heard the album, and I haven't uh, watched a live performance of it. But I, I read that. Uh, go ahead. Well, the major difference is that there's no editing. So, um, the, the TV show is edited to within an inch of its life, so closely. And um, when you're when we do it live, there's really no uh, turning back. You know, whatever you say is in the show. Yeah. And my my problem is not to step on the lines of my patients. Yeah. Just they're, they're there. No one's really there to feel better. Yeah. I mean, that's the conceit of the show, but nobody gets better being treated by Dr. Katz. That's part of his, his evil. That's part of his plan, his financial yeah. plan. The, the the improv aspect then, you know, yeah. I read that the, the editors uh, often would choose improv because... It's it flows better in that in that moment when you're trying to figure out how to edit something together, and right. uh, and so you you do this improv 
live, like you, you have a couch, you have a kind of a stage set up, you're able to vibe with the audience. But when you're in this studio, that cold studio with microphones and headphones on, did you have to do any special preparation to like set the mood so well, that you guys could enjoy? For, no, for every for every episode there was an outline. Yeah. And oddly enough there was a script. And at the end of every episode the editors would the improv and the scripted stuff would battle it out and it was usually the improv one because it was performance oriented. And it's hard to write for John Benjamin because no matter what you write, it will say something funnier. <laughs> yeah. But every yeah. once in a while, a joke that I wrote or a joke that Bill Broadus wrote, who was the other guy who wrote scripts, um, would actually show up on the air and it was like a kind of a small victory for writers. Hmm. Is that because writers often are separate from the from the show. The program usually doesn't feature the writers on the screen, right. so to speak. Right. And most TV shows are, and I've worked on a couple, but most of them are done with a staff of writers who sit in a room and talk about the arc of the episode, the arc of the show, the arc of the series over several years, if they're lucky. And, and they're just there to pitch... Some of them are there to pitch jokes, some to pitch stories. And then once that happens, they all go their separate ways and write. It's a very lonely job writing. Yeah, I know. And for which you get paid thousands and thousands of dollars to be lonely. If you're lucky. Uh, yeah, as opposed to other lonely jobs. It's a lonely world. Yeah. So... So in the studio itself, did you just sit there in in headphones and in separate? Yeah, and we had some direction coming from the from outside of the booth, depending mm -hmm. on who was directing that particular episode. It was usually Tom Snyder for the first couple of years, and then um, he started handing some of them over to the audio editors, like to Lauren, uh, to a guy named Carl Adams, directed some episodes. Um, Dorothea Gillum was an editor who directed. Uh, but we always started with this outline, which would sort of tell you what the episode was about. Yeah. And the job of the ed of the director was once you have you thought you have what you needed to construct the episode, to stop before the, there's no more air left in the room. Yeah. And, you know, some people were better than, at that than other people, but... And then sometimes I, I will record the voice of, let's say, Barry Shamling in Los Angeles. And then several months later, I drop in my voice in response to what he was saying. Ah. Sometimes so, I can see that. Like, I watched, actually, I watched the Mitch Hedberg episode last night, and I didn't feel that Mitch was there at all with right. you. And he was... So he wasn't. But we're not in the same room. No. But other times it felt like you were really uh, bouncing off of the comic on the couch. Yeah, that happened mostly with Dom. I rarely. Yeah. But, well, um, even with Ray Romano, another guy I know really well, and I worked with on the road. Um, what worked with him was 
And we said, Ray, why don't you just do your act, and we'll bring in um, all the animators, so so you'll have a live audience, and they they could he could hear the audience, but they could didn't bleed onto the recording, and that was just a really helpful thing because comedians like to hear laughter. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Not a big audience, but just enough to to get the right. the vibe. Right. Yeah. So so not much of that was. Uh, but then but then the main thing, like you interacting with with Ben uh, with John Benjamin was was live in the studio together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's ridiculous. We would get we would get in the zone and we would be laughing. I actually fainted twice from laughing with John Benjamin. Really? Yeah. It just... I made the mistake of having a sip of miso soup. This is an L.A. restaurant. Is, and I passed out. Yeah. And the next day, we're, we're on the floor of the bathroom, and he sucked to my wife saying, I just passed out. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's dangerous. Is, is being funny a curse? Oh. Is it a curse? Yeah. I think it's a blessing and a curse. It's a it's a blurse. It's a blouse. Um, uh, yeah, and it's. But um, one of one of the things that people don't realize is that uh, there was a character in the show named Stanley who played my best friend at the bar. Yeah, and he would only work if we held a gun to his head. <laughs> he was he was not union so. Uh, he was not supposed to be recording for the show, so he had to. He only would work at gunpoint. So yeah. he was a guy who was really under pressure. I'm sorry, I'm trying too hard to say something funny. Um, oh. uh, I'm trying. I'm always trying too hard to say something funny. Yeah. I wish. See, I wish I was blessed with that. I tried to be a comic, actually, but it didn't work and, out too well. Do you, do you edit the audio that you record? Um, I assume that this would just be turned into a transcript uh, and then edited uh, right. as a text. And and who's going to transcribe it? Um, me. Oh. Uh, so you said that with such sadness. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm lonely. I'm lonely over yeah. here. And this is my only breath of fresh air, and then they put me back in the... And then I put myself because I'm the publisher. Put myself back in to the to the writers' room with no windows. No, actually, it's a lovely view. Uh, Did from, you see what the mountain there? Mount Hood. I from my apartment, I can see Mount St. Helens, but oh, and is that does that uh, does that erupt once in a while? It it's yeah, it's it's pretty much active. Basically, it's an active really? volcano. Yeah. But not hyperactive. It stays put. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mm-hmm. I both love nature and I'm afraid of it at the same time. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm allergic to certain bugs, and I like nature from the indoors. I like to to look at it through a screen porch, right, or a hotel room, right, and imagine. Or, or an air-conditioned car. Yeah. Coming back to what, what we might expect at Bridgetown. First, yeah. Um, 
you, I read that Tom Snyder often, or has always, I guess, uh, played your therapist. And uh, is, but I didn't see his name on the press release. Is right, we're trying, we're taking a different uh, tack this time. In Austin, I just did stand up at the beginning of the show, mm-hmm. and that made a very almost magical transition from Jonathan Kent to Doctor Kent. Yeah. So from one part of the stage to the other and sitting down. Yeah. And then my patients would start to arrive, who in Portland will be Jadine Garofalo, Ron Lynch, ridiculously funny guy. Yeah. And Bull's also very funny. Janine Garofalo, who has done Dr. Katz Live in New York yeah. and was on the show. Yeah. And um, Andy Kindler. Andy Kindler, who's the best. He's oh. a favorite. Is, a, is he a, a hot item in Portland? <laughs> uh, I think, uh, you know, I think I saw him come into town uh, for do helium recently, but um, I think uh, I've noticed he's a he's a comedian's comedian. He's a favorite. Like he's he appears on Marin a lot. He he was often right. on Doctor Katz. Um, right. I would say that he's famous among comedians, but I'm not sure that he really. Super broke through into like the uh, the average, like Doctor Katz. They may not know your first name, but <laughs> is a household it's name. Weird. <laughs> it's weird that that people know my likeness better than they know my face. Yeah, with my voice better than my know than they know my name. I think I'd be panicking if I if I was actually in front of you right now because I wouldn't be able to. Compute the difference, even though it's yeah. so similar, it would just freak me out. So you you were a teenager when the show was on the air, so you must be like in your early thirties. Yeah, yep, and proud of yeah, my, it. Yeah, my daughter. I have a daughter who's thirty-two who got a lot of mileage out of having a father with a TV show. Yeah, and. As much funny as me, she's been giving me a courtesy laugh for like twenty years. Yeah, yeah. both of both of my daughters are funnier than me. What do they do? Uh, they're both teachers, and one oh. of them is like really one of them is a national cultural agent in the for the arts, hmm. and is really uh, enormously powerful in Philadelphia. Yeah, as an educator, and. The other one is younger and is just starting to teach in, in Lawrence, Massachusetts. She uses theater to teach kids. That's great. I mean, that's just really great, actually. I, I can't think of too many. I mean, I had to go home and watch Comedy Central all day to, to blow off steam from school, the humorless environment that is yeah. high school and public. What does TV show Portlandia have to do with Portland? Um... Nothing. No, I mean, you know. You've, have you watched it much? Have you watched that show very much? A little much? bit. A little bit, but I'm not, I'm not totally into it yet. I don't think uh, I am either. Um, it's such a kick out of the guy who's the star whose name I can never remember. Oh, Fred oh, Armisen. Yeah, Fred Arm- I, I like him as, um, as Seth Meyers' band leader, which he does once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. He prepped me up. But I don't really know the show that well. Is any of it shot in Portland, or is it just? Oh, it's one hundred percent shot in Portland. It's all actually shot in um, in 
on location. So a lot of oh. they use uh, existing businesses and they give credit to those businesses. So it seems to be a, a boon to these businesses. Um, I was hired as a production uh, guy for one particular sketch. And Great. that was in a park because I knew how to put up this canopy in this park. It's kind of a silly, long, beside-the-fact story. But it's it's all shot here, and it makes fun of people who are yeah. actually here. Some of the characters that they've invented are, are yeah. actual uh, um, satirization of, of real people in this city. Yeah, um, I think that's one scene that takes place in a, with the local, a very small police department. Police department? Yeah, maybe it's on the outskirts of Portland. Hmm. In Portlandia. Yeah. And Portlandia, you should come to see, while you're here, you should come to see the, the actual Portlandia. The, the, oh, it's a real place, Portlandia? Well, the, this, there's this um, kind of funky-looking 1980s postmodern architectural building. It's the city's building. And there's a sculpture. We call it Our Statue of Liberty because um, it's a big I think bronze, or it's a big metal sculpture that sits on that building named Portlandia. Do you know that Oregon is one of the few states in this country that does not have a state bird? I'm embarrassed to say I wouldn't know if it... It's got to have a state bird. It's got to have one. I'm going to make it. I'm going to I'm going to get okay. it one. If you could do that between now and Tuesday night, that would be great. That, you need one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always feel more comfortable working in a state with some bird. I don't know what the bird of Massachusetts is. Yeah. Where you where do you live right now? I, I live in, in Newton, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. Yeah. Did you live in New York? I grew up in New York City. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Doctor Cat yeah, is supposed to be in New York, right? It's like a Manhattan. Not, we never really knew where Dr. Kent was. That's what I always figured. It was New York, but I guess I don't remember that either, yeah. It's no, just, we never specified a location. It's interesting how you can skirt around that for three years. No. But I will tell you that during the run of that show, I made, I took my role too literally of therapist. Yeah. And I made one woman cry and one guy feel better. Yeah. On the show? Is that true? Yeah. What? Uh, I, made, I made Bob Balaban. Yeah. Uh, it was a really wonderful actor director. I made him feel better. <laughs> and I made a young comedian cry because we were talking about some issue that was really important. To her and I didn't. I forgot I wasn't a therapist. <laughs> that's possible. So that, can, the, the role that's can. What's that? I was saying it's possible the role can can overtake you. Yeah. And I also carry a doctor's bag, which has nothing to do with medicine. I just carry my ping pong racket in it. Yeah. This right? Yeah, because you, you were. Do you still hustle people? At ping pong. I don't think I'm good anymore. You know, I used to be really good, but uh, I don't think I'm good enough to hustle people. I think I'm good enough to be hustled. Yeah. Um. I w I was really you know interested in your former musician past and uh, I I wondered if 
1979, when you were musical director for Robin Williams, uh, right. rest in peace, do you, did you think of that as your big break in music or comedy? Uh, I thought of it as, as a chance to spend more time with Valerie Villardi, who is his first wife uh. and my ex-girlfriend. Really? Yeah, but it was so, and it was really an exciting time because he was so red hot from Mork and Mindy. Yeah. And he did two of my songs in his act. And and then his management realized that he's not really a singer. He, I don't, he doesn't need a musical director. Right. But it was, the, it went, touring with him was a lot of fun. Did he, who got you that gig? Um, well, I think Valerie introduced us and I sent him a couple of songs one called Born to be Punished, the other called His Heart is Closed for Alterations. And he did them both in, on the road while he was recording Reality, What a Concept, his first album. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and neither, of them, neither of them got made it onto the album, which would have changed everything for me. Because I'd be paying for this call. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. Did... Okay. Did he um, want to work with you because you're funny? He didn't know me. He didn't know you? I think, no, but but we both became parents around the same time. His son, Zach, and my daughter, Julia, were born within weeks of, it, of each other. Hmm. And we hung out with our new babies, neither of us knowing what to do. Um, and... We became friends. We would see each other once in a while yeah. in Francisco and his, at his home in Napa. The last time I saw him was in Boston a couple of years ago. Yeah. But what, what a talented guy he was. Yeah. Just uh, one in a billion. Yep. Um, so what's... Uh, other than doing uh, Dr. Katz Live and commemorating this wonderful 20 years, what do you think you plan to do? With well, him? I'm working on another, another animated sitcom, and I'm working on a book with David Mamet called the, the Home for Unfortunate Animals, Yeah, which is a book of, uh, of illustrations by him and text by both of us. Huh. Yeah. I didn't realize he was like, I, I would imagine that he, he picked up that skill in the process of directing and uh, illustration. But, so he's illustrating, you're both writing. And is it going to be funny? It's, it's very funny. And he, yeah. he's one of the funniest guys I know, David. Yeah? Most people, most people find him intimidating, but he's a ridiculously funny guy. And silly. And and what? Silly. Silly, indeed. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. You know the um, the silliness actually the the improv style and the kind of absurdity that comes up along with that approach. Uh, I, I would say that got to be far more popular after Doctor Katz. Do you think that that was a, a wave that you helped get going? Or that you jumped in on, like that kind of a television show and pacing. 
That's been going on for a while. I mean, I, you know, we called it retroscripting. Yeah. But improvisation has been going on forever. Oh, yeah. Um, it's going to be the first thing. Yeah. That's what that's what people did in caves before they had TV. Cavemen. Yeah. You know, it was more physical comedy. Before they invented the the wheel or the TV. Yeah. Right. You know, a guy would a guy would whack his wife over the head with a with a dinosaur bone. And yeah. that was like a <laughs> a tight gag. Right, it was just slapstick. What's that? That was just slapstick. Yeah. So we've been misinterpreting their whole thing. They didn't that's not how they married women, they just thought it was funny. Yeah. And also, uh, the dinosaurs, they, everyone has their own theory of why they became extinct, and I think they died laughing, because those cavemen were so fucking funny. That was the Neanderthals were funny, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Homo sapiens, do we, are we still, are we as funny as the Neanderthals? No, you can't follow those guys. <laughs> Who's going to follow us? They were, just, they were just gut funny. You know, we, we're much too cerebral for them. Do you believe in aliens? Uh, no. Just straight, straight out no? No joke? No joke. <laughs> I believe in, um, aliens. I don't believe that there's life on other planets. I think there's... I don't even think there's nightlife on, in my town. I, I live in a city where the nightlife is Walgreens. Yeah. I do believe in nightlife. Do you have a? Do you go to the red box in front of your Walgreens? Uh, what is the red box? Have you seen those things? No. It's, it's I what I call poor man's Netflix, even though it end, ends up costing poor people more than Netflix. It's just a box where you, you can rent a DVD for a day. It costs a dollar. Really? Yeah. I'm very sad about that. Yeah, I know. I know. I actually uh -oh. feel... I better stop talking. I'm getting too sad. We, we hit the 30 minutes. Yeah. I think, I think we're going to have to stop this week and pick up next week. Okay. I, I... I, I, if there was music, I would say you know what the music means, but yeah. there's no music. Um, but it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's, it's been a great pleasure. Uh, I'll let you know where you can... I'll tell your secretary where uh, she can send the bill. Great. Okay. Um, all right, I appreciate Thanks. it. I look forward to your show. Great. See you there. Bye. Take care.